set your mind on things above with Taken, a metaphysical fantasy audio drama. He wanted a cure. He found the creator. Chapter 15. The Tree of Life Anami trekked up the embankment, high above the mighty currents of the River Pashan crashing below. He was close to its source now. Just a few spans more, and he would reach the churning mass of fresh water exploding from the depths of Adama until it flowed from the highest peak of the Seven Hills. Steam rose around the surrounding vegetation, luxuriously green and nourished from the warm mist. Anami inhaled the heavy aroma so close to that of Heaven's realm. Ah, that's better. With each intake, Anami forgot the acrid stench of the fallen that had begun to permeate all Adama. Anami took a few more steps and paused. Even though Anami could have flown in his spirit form, he chose to go on foot. Azam warned him to be discreet and he took his friend's advice seriously. The longer journey was worth it. He was sure no other watchers spotted him, and the view from the summit was spectacular. The lush valley on the other side of the Seven Hills hosted four clear streams, which surged down the rocky hillside and watered the plain below. Eden was breathtaking. Ha! Anami laughed quietly, amazed he had arrived this close to the Garden of Eden, unchecked. It was even funnier the sons of Adam could not find their ancestral home. Why, some of the tribes are no further than a day's journey on foot. Anami stifled a giggle at the irony and started downhill, careful not to disturb the stillness there. Surprisingly, he found the landscape familiar. Anami stopped again to study a bright patch of flowers growing unhindered beneath the shade of a large sequoia. He pressed one of the petals to his face and inhaled deeply. The scent heightened his senses. Delicious. The Dotanus Mali grows here as well. It was also one of the most desirable blooms in the Garden of God. But the beautiful flower had never had that effect on him before. It isn't the flower. Someone is here. Anami swung around. Hummingbirds flitted cheerfully from petal to petal, and a flurry of golden speckled butterflies swirled around his head briefly before they realized his sweet aroma produced no nectar. Anami shook off the strange sensation and kept moving toward the valley. He was almost halfway. Swap. Anami fell backwards, instinctively drawing his bow before he hit the ground with a thud. Stunned, Anami scanned the area as he rubbed his forehead vigorously. What was that? There were no men, no animals, no other watchers, and no fallen either. No, I would have noticed their scent long ago. Anami stood up again, slowly. He assumed the first position, both knees bent in a forward lunge, arms crossed in front of his chest, hands closed tightly with his fingers pressed together like a dagger. Anami inhaled and exhaled slowly, focusing, staring straight ahead, still as still as the seven hills themselves. Then in one fluid movement, swat! Anami thrust his arms forward with all his strength. Ah! Anami cried out and drew back his arms as sharp pinpoints of pain surged up and down his limbs. But not before he saw it. The plush landscape wavered. Anami shook his arms vigorously as his essence strengthened once more. This time, Anami knew what to do. Instead of attacking, he relaxed. 
Gently he raised his hand and slowly, very slowly, pressed the air in front of him. His hand tickled as it blended, wavered, and then disappeared in front of him. Anami followed his hand. Halt, Elohim! boomed a voice so long and loud, Anami's frame shook from the force of it. Anami looked up, took a few steps back, and gazed heavenward again. Before him stood the cherubim, man-like face, fierce in countenance, magnificent wings outstretched for at least ten cubits. Downy softness dripped and surged from those great arms, bathing him in ethereal light as Anami bowed with respect for the ancient's covering guardian. Greetings, most honored one. I am Anami of the Beloved's Guard, Anami said, embarrassed. He was trembling. I need to... Onami, called the hollow voice, sounding more like a roar than anything. Go, the cherubim said as he pointed toward the cultivated maze of flowering shrubs and trees behind him. To the tree of life, say nothing, do nothing, only enter the gate. Onami nodded reverently. Azam was wrong this time. I didn't have any problems with the cherubim. It was like he was expecting me. Anami walked slowly past the cherubim into the labyrinth. Huge branches dangled overhead, intertwining and clasping each other like caring hands cradling a newborn. A pleasant breeze pushed through the leaves and surrounded him with its heady perfume. Jasmine, gardenia, honeysuckle, and countless rows of the sweetest blooms decorated the path in an epiphany of color. All at once, he could see it, feel it, Taste it. Become it. Anami closed his eyes and inhaled deeply again. He sighed. Just like home. He opened his eyes quickly as something brushed against him. Oh! Anami took a few steps back, astonished at the images swirling about him. Instead of colorful birds and animals frolicking playfully, there were people. Many, many people. I thought the Garden of Eden was empty. They ignored his presence completely. Anami lifted his hand to wave at them, to greet them. Then he remembered the words of the cherubim. Say nothing. Do nothing. Only enter the gate. Anami lowered his hand and leaned backward as he dodged a man who came running out of the thicket, followed by a group of laughing children chasing him. Why, that looks just like... It couldn't be. But it was. Anami was sure of it. Tall, slender, thick hair, twisted like ropes. Anami swung around to get a better look. That is him. How did Abel get here? That son of Adam was killed in the first age. I'm sure of it. My knowledge of Adam's lineage is not false. Another figure darted onto the pathway in front of him. He was gathering fruit from a large tree growing in the center of the clearing. Smooth, flattened stones surrounded the humongous trunk of the clustered vine-like roots bound together as one tight cord. The man's perfectly proportioned frame was sturdy, but graceful, too, and his symmetrical features rivaled that of any Elohim. He looked up from his task with brown eyes focused and stared straight at Anami. Anami froze in his tracks. Adam? How? Can he see me? Anami waited without moving. Adam gazed at him for a few moments, then went back to his work, finally picking the basket up and hauling it over his head as he moved away from the tree and deeper into the maze. He can't see me. Neither could Abel. None of them. None of them can see me. Anami shuddered in the warmth of the garden. But why did the cherubim tell me not to say or do anything? They can't see me anyway. 
Anami caught his breath and moved closer to the tree. So this is it. This is what the cherubim guard at risk of peril to their own spirits. Anami approached the tree cautiously and marveled at it. Ripe fruit glistened from that tree like the stars of heaven, containing the essence of everything that was and that will ever be. The fruit, brilliant hues of ruby red, blue sapphire, and the purest gold, hummed and pulsated like the mighty quasars of the dark infinite expanse leading the way home. They dangled precariously from long branches of light, winding and twisting downward to its source, a thick trunk of spellbounding bright light, the color of fiery rain. Anami laughed with glee. Yes, the tree of life, of course. I wonder. Anami looked quickly to the left and to the right. The cherubim, already back in position at the top of the seven hills, was paying him no mind. Well, it couldn't hurt. Curious. Anami quickly transformed and assumed a body of flesh. Shivering as he got used to the cold suit, he looked again. Just what I thought. It was just a tree. A beautiful one, full of delectable fruit, but still, just a tree. They can't see it in this form. The way home, it is hidden to them. Anami transformed once more, returning to his spirit form. He quivered, but not from any natural sensation, his body pulsed, assuming the rhythm of the tree, the rhythm of life itself. This gate was different. He had used the gate at Mount Tarasa many times before, and the gates on countless other planets and countless other star systems like this one. He was accustomed to the familiar vibrations as he left one dimension and returned to the other. The lights, the loss of everything, and then the return. But this was different. It was as if he could see every possibility, every hope, every dream, every thought he might ever think as he lost himself in the power of that tree. For a moment, he could feel the Ancient One in the beginning, before the dawn of the cosmos and the echo of the universe resounded for the first time. He saw the ecstasies of the galaxy's birthing planets, black holes, and the will of the Ancient One, always guiding and expanding with unyielding force, and something else, something familiar but different. It was the One Mind but stronger than Anami had ever felt him before. In him, he could perceive the entirety of everything that was, is, and was to come, and with him, an overwhelming sense of love. Anami could feel that love, know his love. A calm, all-consuming heat filled every core of his being, warming him from the pit of his stomach and radiating outward. Now the immense fields of heaven didn't roll before him, the melodies of the forest cried out with glee as he soared through the memories of it all, like a falcon released from its cage at last. Onami laughed and giggled and then laughed again with a joy deeper than anything he had ever known. Then he heard a sound. Someone was laughing with him, someone familiar but far in the distance. The soft, high pitch of bells jingling was this voice, tinkling beside him, around him, and somehow within him. He looked for the sound, searched for the one making it as he sped along. Faster and faster, the voice ran ahead laughing. He tried to keep up. He came closer and closer, almost, yes, he could see now. Tabara was holding out her hands to him, laughing. He reached out to grasp her, and then he fell. Anami tumbled out of the fullness of the anti-void onto the smooth pavement, startling a few passers-by. He stood and rubbed his head, still dazed by the crossing, and gathered his bearings. He thought he would have a distance to travel to reach the great general's compound, but his concerns were unnecessary. The massive entrance to the complex was just ahead. 
He smiled faintly at two men dressed smartly in the full regalia of the host and nodded. All is well, good Benai, one of them said courteously, but not before giving Anami the once-over. The other guard shrugged his shoulders and gave Anami a curious glance, and then whispered something to his companion. I might be a little disheveled, but does he have to be so rude? Anami examined himself and gasped. No wonder. Instead of his usually pearly essence, he was glowing, no practically radiating every hue of the spectrum. I don't know what. Anami called out to the guards, stammering as he struggled to come up with an explanation for his appearance. Just then another of the host appeared, a senior member of the higher ranks from the looks of his uniform. His white garment was simple and unadorned, except for a collar of gold, embedded with an intricate design of emeralds and rubies. Commander Anami of Alpha Company? The lieutenant general asked crisply. Yes, Benai. Anami immediately straightened as he gave the customary salute for superiors. Come with me, the Benai said with a curt nod. The general is waiting for you. General Michael peered out the massive arched window facing the trail to his secluded ranch. His quarters were toward the southernmost part of the grounds, past the stables, barracks, and training pavilions. General Michael's large, callous hands pressed against the thin crystal surface, leaving telltale smudges of his presence for the cleaning crew to race once again. He should be here any point now, the beloved said so. The general examined his prized possessions, touching them more out of habit than sentiment, as he paced and considered the outcomes. Another conflict? Another rebellion to crush? Maybe, maybe not. The great law had been compromised, certainly. That was a given, but the consequences of the breach? Well, that was not always so clear-cut, especially with the beloved presiding over the High Council now. He saw things differently. The general's hand hovered over a small but deceptively heavy trophy, a special gift from the Ancient One, for service in the Great War. It was unmatched in beauty as far as its construction, but its uniqueness did not lie in its appearance. It was engraved with one simple word, compassion. One touch of that object could communicate an eon of experience, even experiences one did not want to remember. The general hesitated, then reached out and touched it. The four walls of his office disappeared before his eyes, even though in actuality nothing had changed. Nothing but the general's point of view moved across the vast space from one person's perspective to another's. This special gift from the ancient was given to him because of his function. As the highest-ranking officer of the host, second in command only to the beloved, the Ancient of Days had given him this gift called empathy, granting him the extraordinary ability to feel what it is like to be another. Its knowledge had often stayed his hand when he would have crushed his opponent. Now his thoughts beheld Captain Simjaza singing. Then came knowing as hard and solid as the object in his hand. Excuse me, General, a voice called. The sharp tap on his door broke his concentration, severing the connection to Captain Simjaza. His eyes burned like fire, then cooled. Speak. General Michael released the trophy and walked to his desk. Commander Anami is here. Send him in. Michael almost grinned when he saw Anami's telltale aura. He was excited, intimidated, confident, and hesitant all at once, still full of the first flames of creation. Michael sighed, just as we were. Such promise. Anami, please, no need for formalities, the general said, extending a hand as he waved the commander to the seat beside him. Now, general said, making himself comfortable, I believe you have news of Adama and Captain Samjaza. How did you know? 
Never mind that. You'll know soon enough. Please proceed with your report. Not a ripple stirred in the crystal sea. Its fathomless depths shone like a vast emerald mirror as it reflected the light emanating from the great throne. On it, the beloved sat, shrouded in jasper as transparent and brilliant as the mount of the Ancient One. His arms and legs were encased with flames of fiery sardinia, as red as rubies, the elders surrounding him, waiting. Finally, one stood and spoke. My lord, the elder said as he rose and bowed, what shall be done regarding some jaws and his men? It is obvious confirmation has come. It is as I spoke, but all has not been accomplished. What do you speak of, my lord? The outcome is not sure. Possibilities remain. Therefore, we will watch and wait. But, my lord, what of their conduct? It is reprehensible. Even the slightest infraction of our way is reprehensible to the ancient one, yet appeals to the greater law. For now, the highest law protects Samjaza and his men. No action shall be taken against them while possibilities remain, yet an account must be kept. Indeed, my lord, I will send word to General Michael. Anami walked slowly down the country path away from the main ranch house where he'd met with General Michael. He passed by a group of privates taking the stallions out for their scheduled exercises. On any other occasion, he would have taken the opportunity to ride with joy. Today, he ignored them. The serenity of the rolling meadow and the bubbling brook surrounding him provided little comfort for the troublesome thoughts churning in his head. Some jaza has fallen, yet we do nothing. It is not reasonable. What of the men under his influence? How many are there? What if more succumb to the lure of the furious ones because of his leadership? Why don't we do something? It's just not reasonable. Anami walked faster, kicking a few loose pebbles off the path onto the manicured lawns. The main entrance was just ahead. He was sure his return gate would still be there. I wonder what Delmar and Azam will think. Of course, we will not act since that is what the beloved commands. Still... I hope he changes his mind soon. This concludes this chapter of Taken, a metaphysical fantasy audio drama. If you enjoyed this excerpt and just can't wait for the next chapter, download Taken ebook through Amazon Kindle and read it for free with Amazon Prime. Also, please check back for upcoming chapters of Taken on this podcast. Remember, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Please share this uplifting read with your friends and get ready to soar. Thank you again for listening and may the favor of the Ancient One be on you.